Hello, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Production House Podcast, where I will be chatting with the hidden heroes of dance music culture and the people that are the glue of operations behind the scenes. My name's Stretch, so if you're sitting comfortably, then let me begin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to podcast number seven, March the 28th, 2023. And we're fresh back from Tomorrowland Winter, from the mountains. Um, we have podcast number six, which hopefully you'll be seeing by now. And um, But today, I'm with an absolute legend, um, one of my pals that I call Kiddo. Her name is Renska van Kollenberg. Renska, I've been looking forward to this for weeks because we do have lots and lots and lots to talk about but you are one of the bad badasses did i say it in american accent you're a badass um dj host presenter thank god you're not an mc otherwise it would com- be completely out of a job um wonderful to have you we've got lots and lots to talk about um so basically start from the beginning um how you got yourself into the industry and um, and how you got to where you are now. Ooh, uh, thank you, first of all, for having me and for the beautiful introduction. You're quite badass yourself. <laughs> thank you, darling. <laughs> um, so how, how do I... Yeah, I, I, it started off with passion, basically. I never thought I would have a career in music, basically, because I was such a purist. So, But I was always there uh, yeah, from the start when I was already taking dance classes as a uh, an eight-year-old and electronic music hit the Netherlands uh, I was sold so I yeah I was just a very passionate electronic music lover and um, I never only went out to just have fun I really needed to hear my favorite DJs and that's it I was traveling when I got my driver's license, because I'm from the south in the Netherlands, I used to go to Germany, Belgium, even flew to London to hear Sasha play or go to Amsterdam. I just, you know, my festivals were always scheduled out. Like um, if James Holden would play at 2 p.m., I would be there at 2 p.m. at Dance Valley or whatever. So this is basically how it started. I, I never thought I would have a career in music. I re- literally rolled into it like um, people invited me uh, years ago. I think in 2008, I did my first interviews for television. I, I wasn't even doing anything for television yet. But um, Who asked you to do the... It was, uh, I think it was Salt, Salto TV. It was a, a very local TV channel from Amsterdam. And it was the Amsterdam dance event. And I was still sitting at work. I was at that time working at an advertisement company in Amsterdam. And I got a phone call like, hey... Um, uh, I probably did, you know, I was actually really involved, obviously, and my, I already had a big network because I was there all the time. But that day I received a phone call, can you come right now to do some interviews? And <laughs> I just went straight from work and my first interview ever was, I think it was Armin Van Buren on, on the streets. And then it was Don Diablo and and that's how it all started. Yeah. Yeah. So who's, I think I saw your... Talk with Derek May. Did I? Did you? Did you interview Derek May? Oh, that was, was that was really short. Well, a short interview. I interviewed him once during the Detroit Twenty Five panel at, in Amsterdam because uh, it was twenty five years back then that 
Detroit Techno had his first records, I think, uh, coming out. That's why the Amsterdam Dance Event has, um, you know, arranged a panel. And all the all the guys were there, Kenny, Derek, Kevin, Juan, Carl, like all the Detroit guys were there. But I don't know if you, you saw it, that one because it's, I don't know, if, I don't even know no, if that interview is out. I, I'm pretty sure, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I listened to the interview to be fair, but obviously because it was only a short one but I, I remember seeing you sitting across from from Derek thinking like god what a place to be right now because <laughs> there's somebody I've only I've only been in that situation with Derek where I've, I've only been in his company for for 5 10 15 minutes and I can see the guy's so intelligent I just want to pick his brain and you know eventually hopefully with team 15 we can get to happen to sit down with and talk to people like that you know who yeah because I get excited by sitting across from people who've got lots to talk about, and especially from our industry, if, you know, Derek May, originator. Who's been your favourite person to sit down with? Oh, there's not a favourite. I learned from... They're all inspirational people. I have the same... Like you, it's... I'm really sincerely interested in people, um, in, in all kinds of people, not just artists. It's just that I work in the music industry and we share a similar passion. We're creative minds and I can learn so much from, from all these brilliant minds, basically. Um, obviously, there are a few interviews that are very close to my heart. I remember years ago um, interviewing Boy George, who was in Amsterdam to do not a DJ set, but he was literally like, you know, singing the... Uh, karma chameleon uh, kind of stuff and uh, I was like I need to interview him and I did everything myself I didn't work for a company or whatever and um, I got a yes to interview him and I think there was only like a Dutch like commercial tv channel that had the chance to interview him as well I got 10 minutes um, and he basically ended up, we, we spoke for more than an hour. He, he also didn't want to stop speaking. It was a really, really nice interview. Fellas. Yeah. And he, he suddenly he said, we need to stop now because, you know, I need to save my voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are so many amazing moments with amazing people. Like, so when did the DJ start? Uh, that was another invitation, basically. Uh, again, DJ Siren. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, s such a purist. So um, never thought of myself um, as a DJ. But obviously, when you're so passionate about music, you start playing records at home. And because records. of my... Did you hear that? Records. You used to play records. Right? <laughs> <laughs> MP3s or whatever. <laughs> um, discs. The discs. Oh yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I, I did burn all the CDs and everything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So people started to also ask me f to help them out with lineups because I know artists, but um, there's no way that I'm going to be in, you know, an in between person pretending to be a booking agent and then trying to get an artist with a big discount for you. That's just not how I how I roll. That's what people try. Oh, you know him and her and uh, yeah, That's I know the them, real, but it's, it's real talk like that. Real yeah. Talk. Um, but I think it was 2010 or 11, 10, probably where there was a little new club opening up who doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. But these people were like literally, they had no clue about dance music. So they asked me and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll help you guys out because it was not like, uh, oh, maybe you can get Carl Cox for 10K. No, of course not. You know, it was more like I could really put people that I know, like uh, not like the superstar DJs that 
are actually happy, you know, to be playing at that at that club. So, and then he asked me, "Do you want to be part of the lineup? Do you want to warm up for these guys?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, why not?" And within two years, I was playing with. I remember I was playing in 2013 already with Fat Boy Slim for Pitong's party at Ushuaia, and with Kenny Larkin in Miami. And I was like, "Is this happening?" But again, I was quite self-sabotaging because I'm such a purist and I really I had a hard time seeing myself as one of their colleagues and maybe also because I'm female and you know I I thought it was do you feel intimidated at all not intimidated I think you need to take yourself seriously to be taken seriously and I thought I was projecting a lot of insecurities um upon my outside world while nobody actually gave me a hard time. I remember Kenny even came up to me when I was playing to look at what I was playing because he thought it was so good. I remember what it was. It was a Josh Moog record, by the way. And um, so, no, they never gave me a hard time. Even when I was warming up for Danny Howells, uh, one of my big, you know, one of my big heroes uh, in in music uh, as, as a DJ. And the first time I had to warm up for him, I, I bad day. All didn't know it was me on that lineup because they don't know me under my DJ name. And then he saw me. He's like, he never for one second thought, "Oh, this is weird," or "What's she doing now?" They were like embracing me from the start. So, yeah, yeah I did that for like around ten years. And you, remember, uh, you mentioned self self sabotaging. So, mm. can you explain that? Oh yeah, it all has to do with self worth. I mean, it's what I do in my work basically now as well. But almost all the people I work with as a coach or, or mentor or consultant is 90% of the problems or, or things that they are facing, um, they all come back to how much do you love yourself and how much, what's the level of self-worth that you have? Because otherwise you start, um, so yeah. So you, you, you learned this, so... Sorry, did so as a, your, your career as a DJ is going. So, so you you allowed that ride to happen. In, yeah. In regards to like you sort of just just went with the flow, became that the, the you know the DJ partier person, just living the moment without recognizing like life changing now. Yeah, I was still doing things on the side um, and working too much, perhaps. Oh yeah. Totally got burned out. Yeah. Um, and then after my burnout, I thought, what do I want from life? What is it that I want to do? Do I still want to be in music? I mean, music industry is a high-demanding environment. Back. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, so when did you have the burnout then? Was that- it was 2017-18. Okay. And so in 2010, uh, though, things have, have now taken off for you as a DJ also? Uh, yeah, well, I started like playing in 2011, I guess. And like I said, in 13, I was already playing right. internationally. And, um, so, but, yeah, so yeah, so 2013 now, everything's buzzing for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100,000 million things going on. Yeah, yeah. In the day. Yeah, yeah. And then at night time, you've got nowhere else to go apart from just letting your everything into music and just... Oh, I was also still working as a freelance film producer for a film production company in Amsterdam. Yeah, so Jeez. I did that on the side as well. Fine. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot to take on yeah. and, um, yeah. So, yeah, 2017 comes around and you and you, you, you burn out. Yeah, totally burned out. How did you recognize that? 
Oh, I didn't want to recognize it. Right. I am the typical example of how you should not do it. Uh, I think this is one of the reasons, uh, again, why I am able to guide others now uh, to be more sustainable because I didn't want to recognize my own burnout. I just kept going until the point where I actually got hospitalized on a Sunday night um, uh, and was back on film set two days later. Um, and I think it was like 40 kilos. I don't know what that is in pounds for the people that are listening. But at that time, and I, it was not that I wasn't eating. It's just the stress. My, my body was just like totally, and I, it totally burned out. Yeah. Even, you know, all the... Um, Impulses. I had really sensitive, uh, sensory sensitivities, so hearing, and I couldn't really deal with with any impulses anymore from the outside. Uh, got really, I got panic attacks and and everything. So at one point, I think it was already a few years, and I I was burned out already. But at the peak time, I was like. You know what? Everything that I want to be doing in my life is not going to be working if I just don't you know, if I don't stop what I'm doing now, which is. But you, know, you, you have to find this for yourself. But did you have a support group around you? Did you have some? No, group, group no, group no. I didn't have a support group. Obviously, some people in my surroundings told me like, "What you're doing is not okay. You're not a, you're not doing well." But I was very good in pretending I was doing well for the outside world, right? But uh, some of I had like I've always had some kind of mentor in my own life, um, and I remember that woman telling me like you know the next time if, if you keep going the next time I'm going to visit you is in a hospital and I didn't believe her but she was actually right. Mm. I just kept on going. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that obviously, boom! You knew you had to com- complete lifestyle change. Yeah. What did you do? Wow. Um, First, I went away half a year to an island, Aruba, um, and it sounds very uh, luxury, but it wasn't very a luxury uh, existence because there was, you know, um, when it comes to all the social securities here, there was no income for me at that time uh, because I I have my own little company. Um, So it was quite a survival mode still, but it was at least a different environment with no music industry, even though... The music industry didn't even cause my burnout. It was just me didn't, you know... Focusing on you. Didn't, yeah, exactly. And um, so that was the first half year. And then I did come back, though, for October to host <laughs> the DJ, Mar- uh, DJ Mag Award show and, uh, in the arena. Applause for that, by the way. Thank you so much. Another yeah. tremendous job that night. That was uh, that was very special. Uh, so that was something I was still able was that to like do. Was like a shock therapy for you? You thought then at that moment? I was actually abroad. Had you recognised now that you'd, you'd, you'd burn out? Six months, you knew you had to have a lifestyle change. Um, yeah. You know when, when when did you go to Aruba? What, that was that uh, 2017 in. So you would have left in August. August. You, yeah. Oh, you left in August. So you had. September, you didn't give yourself that long, six weeks? Yeah, and I was actually doing worse because of some things that happened in my personal life. So I was actually doing worse, but still. um, Was it the shock therapy you needed, perhaps? No, I really wanted to do that. I got that. They called me and they were like, because I was hosting the DJ Make Award show for two years already, and they were like, we're doing the arena now. (laughs) I was like, okay. Um, But this is the passion I'm telling you about. If you really, really 
you know, passionate about something, you just Nothing do it. Anybody, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yes, I, uh, I did that and went away a little bit more. But then I came back in the Netherlands and I thought, what do I want to do with my life? And I thought, let's do the DJing once more. It was, um, um, I don't know how old I was, but it was pre my 40s. <laughs> so I thought I can still get away with it and let's just give it uh, all that I got. So I worked really hard on that all by myself. You know, I didn't have a booking agent, not a manager, not, you know, and it actually, you know, went quite okay. I had a full um, ca- booking calendar, you know, my, yeah. my gigs. I had uh, a lot of gigs, uh, festival gigs as well in the summer, was signed to amazing record labels. Finally, uh, actually, I signed my first uh, management contract um, with somebody that I thought, wow, this is, you know, we're, I was always looking for the right team, the right team, not just, I didn't want to work with just anybody. Um, And I was supposed to be, you know, having a really good summer in 2020, like there was beautiful things lined up for me. And then the pandemic hit. So again, I was like, whoo, that was uh, a tough cookie. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think uh, it's a bit too cliche to say everything happens with a reason, but maybe it was a blessing in disguise because I wasn't never really fully recovered from my burnout. So what if I started to tour a lot, probably my health and, and my mental health would have gone down the drain again. So maybe, maybe. It does have a reason. Yeah, yeah, everything does. I mean, you know, we were just talking before we started about the, you know, your logo living your true story, and where the true stories from Tim Avicii, and you know, you interviewed Tim as well. Um, I mean, that's very important now because, especially in, in young men, it's much more open to speak about it. You know, mental health proceedings. You know. With all that, you know, with all the noise from 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 those last two years, of course, and it, I, you know, I can imagine any creative, any any artist in the world that those two years would have been a, a, a time of reflection. Firstly, you know, definitely one for searching for every level <laughs> of your life, but. Um, Still today, it's it's still very very important that that now people like you are stepping forward and taking it upon yourself to guide people just on mental health. I mean, your 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 Instagram recently has just been fantastic. Just knowing what I know now at my age, you know, being born in eighty one, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I have two two daughters, and we try to be as honest. As, as necessary yeah. you know what I mean um, but still people are not that easy to ask questions you know how how do you try to persuade people to to come forward and be be assertive in trying to find yourself how do you how do you now go about that obviously knowing what you know but but still trying to guide people in doing that how do you how, how do you do that now 
Um, I do different things. Um, I used to work as an event moderator already, and I still do. People still, conferences around the world still ask me to host panels, but now it's mostly panels around mental health. Yeah. Um, I also speak about it, so I do keynotes about, like, coming Saturday, I'll be speaking at the SAE Institute in Cologne about mental health for young students. Um, so that was also my first mission. Um, you know, obviously when, when Tim died, but, you know, more people have committed suicide in our industry or, or more people are struggling. Um, the pandemic helped, you know, with, with opening up about, you know, talking about mental health issues. But, you know... Um, uh, when created, created even more yeah. worry within that, though, didn't you? Because oh, more yeah, more as well. More, you realise that everybody's going for it. Yeah. Everybody's struggling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's that, that... I think that's, for me, what's happened is, like, everybody's... You know, there's certain levels of, of consciousness. And when you understand only truth and love can rule, everything else falls into place. And then you realise that, that like, you, you don't need the noise. Mm. Worry about yourself. Control what you can control. And then it will make your life easier. It's not going to be easy. Mm. It's going to make your life easier. Yeah. You know, did, did, how did you find that moment? Well, I, I think first and foremost, it is it, the most important thing is to really know yourself. Um, we are all wired differently as human beings. Um, th there's, for example, um, um, there are two groups of people very roughly, uh, like there are very highly sensitive people, but also there are people that are, um, you know, not affected really by their environment. They have less um, sensitive stress response systems than the very uh, sensitive, more introvert people who are oftentimes also very creative people. So they end up in high demanding industries like a music industry, for example. So it's it, instead of thinking that you should be dealing with the same stressors the same way as everybody else in the music industry or in life whatsoever, um, look at how you are built. I've always felt a little bit more sensitive, a lot more sensitive. Uh, I couldn't deal with not a lot of sleep. I couldn't really deal with, you know, uh, with the DJ lifestyle at all, especially, and it was also uh, probably one of my protection mechanisms. Thank God I knew I would be too sensitive to take a lot of drugs or alcohol or whatever. So I didn't, you know. Um, um it's just really important to know also childhood traumas play a big role in yeah. uh, in how you grow up as a person. I did a lot of research about this. And um, so we all know the club of, you know, the 27 club. These are deceased stars that died at 27 um, due to suicide, substance uh, abuse or risk-related behavior. And 80%, because we we tend to think that it's just the music industry. It's the pressures. They couldn't deal with the fame, whatever. But 80% of deceased stars actually had two or more childhood traumas. So it is very interesting to, to know and to understand that, again, you know, the message here comes into play, like stop competing and comparing yourself to others because you are you. You are totally different built and wired and designed differently than other people. And on top of that, your environment plays a big role as well. So that's my core message, like yeah. really get to know yourself. Yeah. yeah. And so what do you recommend in that people start finding themselves? Is there, is there steps and processes that you can now 
Oh yeah. Um, well, that's what I do in my with my work. Obviously, I uh, do very accurate assessments. Um, my first client uh, was not alive. It was Tim because I got really interested in um, in the system that I use because it helped me so much understand myself on deeper levels and put words to things that I already felt, but I. Again, I couldn't really put him into words. So it was a really a big coming home to myself. And I started to study it and became certified. And then my first client was Tim. And I was like, oh, my God, I can see everything reflected back in his personal you know, blueprint. Um, I will never say I could have saved somebody's life. But I think it is time that we understand that in a in a you know, fast moving, challenging environment like a music industry. It's not weird to have guidance. It's not weird to have a coach or a spiritual guide or a mentor to help you understand uh, how you are built and remind you of it as well, because we tend to forget, yeah. you know, we, we tend to be so hard on ourselves all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Are you hard on yourself anymore? Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. I am like I said, I I I am a living example. I experienced it all and I'm still fighting my own demons. I'm still too hard on myself. But the main difference is now you are aware. It's all about your level of consciousness that changes your life. Yeah. So obviously Tim's Tim's passing affected, you know, so many people. Also, me, me personally, I remember watching the, the, the documentary True Stories and um, and speaking to Rob Harker because I'd been on the Stereosonic tour with him. I think it was th 13, 14 perhaps. And hardly ever saw him. Saw him once at the after, after party. Um, you, know, we, you know, I know the reasons why for... for, for you know, for such a young young guy to not be able to speak to press and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, not hang out, you know, for me it was quite infuriating. So I, you know, I had my personal opinion on on that passing and what why it happened and et cetera. But, you know, I got mad. I got mad. Not at Tim, mm. but I got mad at the industry. Because mm. for even a couple of years, because, you know, that it was kind of as, as as Tim exploded, I got to know him. So I saw the explosion, saw how hard he was working, saw how hard he was pushed. And then we'd see him the following summer and he would look, you know, less. And then, you know, it's it so, so I saw physically his deterioration. But then speaking to Rob after a while when he said, oh, you've got to, um, uh, shout out to Rob Harker, by the way, you've got to watch the documentary. He's, he's, he's in a wonderful place. It's great to be, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fantastic. And of course, the documentary shows him at the end, playing the guitar on, on, on the beach, and you think, yeah, fantastic. And it was literally, literally a day or two after that the news had come in. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I was shocked to the, to the core after seeing that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've, I've always wanted to, to, to sort of help people, that, you know, because, you know, like you say, that, that 27 marker. Now, don't misunderstand me. I never had a childhood trauma. I just grew up in a neighbourhood which was just tough, you know. Irish family, grew up with Jamaicans, Nigerians, so I saw racism in, in its purest form yeah. back then. So I never allowed and stood for racism, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So I've been, I'm probably one of those very sensitive people, but at the same time, don't give a shit, 
you know, if I, I, I know my truth. I've always known my truth. If you do the right thing, people can say you're lying about it, but if it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, how do, how, do you, how do you ensure that you're continue to do the right thing? Do you see that now yourself? That, like, you know, you're still hard on yourself because it's the right thing to do. You know, is there, is, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we live every day as best we can, mm-hmm. you know, but I guess, do you, do you feel you have a responsibility now to, to everybody, to humanity? If you oh, know wow, what I mean. wow, wow, wow. Um, you know, I don't, well, <laughs> sorry, it was a rent to get to sign of, yeah, do you, do you feel, do you want to take the responsibility on now to help and guide people? Uh, yes, I know. I'm not responsible for anybody's life and for anybody's health. You are responsible. That's, that's, people should understand that nobody can heal you. You can heal you. But there is guidance and support along the way. And we all need that. Like I said, I've always had, I think for more than 20 years now, I've had a mentor. Like, like on a spiritual level, but also, you know, mentally, like, um, we all need that mirror. And, um, and yes, of course, when, for example, when, when Tim passed, I, uh, yeah, when he left us, uh, I felt like, okay, I have a microphone in my hand a lot of the times, you know, on stages to present something or, you know, host a panel at a conference. So I, obviously I started, not obviously, it was just me feeling I have a responsibility. It's time to break stigmas around mental health issues and to, you know, raise awareness. Um, so that was my first mission. And then I thought, yeah, okay, we can start, keep talking about it. Um, need but we need a change. And I cannot change the world by myself. What I can do is even, you know, with workshops or one-on-one sessions, I can change maybe one pe- one person's life or help, you know, because, because it's it's not, again, it's not my responsibility to save the world. And if you talk about... Um, Is it though? Isn't it? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you have a song of the siren, you know, that's why you call yourself the siren, you know, the mermaid, you know, you're this mystical... We're... we're, we're What's the same? We are we are sentient beings having a human experience. True. Yeah. Well, maybe I think that was Don't also put pressure on you, no. It was my. <laughs> it's it's funny actually that you're you're making a, a, actually a point out of this because that was my pitfall. I did think I needed to save the world because the world in such is in such bad shape, and you know I've always had affinity with children as well. I I I, I actually studied like I'm. Um, um, I'm a social worker and worked with children up to 18 uh, years old um, before I started doing all of this. Um, so I've always thought, okay, you know, I wanted to do projects around the world for Make children and music and the combination and everything. And then I thought, wow, you know what? How do you change the world is by changing yourself. That's like the biggest lesson I've learned, you really, really have to start with yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is, this, that's the key to life in itself, isn't it? Yeah. At least having a happy life because it, trying to find yourself, uh, to be fair, took me 39 years. Yeah. 
you know. And you're 40 now, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm 51 now, you know, mm. and but it took me 39 years. And to be fair, it, I still really didn't find myself. My wife helped me yeah. find myself. Yeah. So the guidance, yeah, it was, it, was, it was the guide that I needed. I needed that support to find myself, yeah. for sure. I mean, you know, there was a point where we, I was happy I made it to 30. Yeah. And then you get to forty, you get to forty, and you think, "Holy shit, yeah. this is life." You know, where are you on your on your personal journey? Right now, right you now. mean? Mm, well, I'm a human being, so it goes with ups and downs. I am every day grateful for the people that reach out to me for my guidance, or um, I mean that that's literally what, what keeps me going. My connection with with others and and being of some kind of service, uh, but that doesn't mean that my life is perfect. I mean, one of my biggest I don't know allergies I have is is social media influencers and business coaches who tell you buy my course and your life will be amazing. It gives me uh, shivers basically because they're they're. They're selling an illusion. Snake oil. It, it's the same as, you know, I don't know, Coca-Cola selling you something or McDonald's sell, selling you basically like poison and making you believe it's good for you. So, um, yeah, just don't believe those people that they I, I'm not saying that they're they cannot be happy or whatever. But, um, someone, you know, someone so. once said, if if you see it advertised, you don't need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a strange one that. So musically, musically, yeah. DJing, well, production of course as well. <clears throat> yeah, I I kind of stopped that during the pandemic because I told my manager who I actually just recently before the pandemic has signed a contract with uh, I was like oh my god I'm on survival mode now because I was still you know um, recovering from not having income because of my burnout and I was like oh what do I do with my life now am I gonna be able to do groceries or am I gonna produce music because because and um, also my respect to all the, the, the producers out there because I started producing because I thought this is what is needed, right? To, for people to take me seriously, to be part of the game. To It's not because I really enjoyed being in the studio, especially not on my own. So at, in the end, I really worked with a producer um, in Berlin to, to finish my tracks and to... Um, so I was always artistically involved, but I just didn't like, you know, I'm, I'm not this, you know, this, again, respect to all the music producers out there because I think it's amazing uh, what they do and, you know, they make and the world a better do. place. They really do with their music. Um, so, yeah. And obviously because I started studying a lot and working as a coach and consultant, I I didn't really, I had, I was like, I have to make a choice. There is, it's not that I totally banned uh, music from my, my I will never ever be able to do that I still do gigs but I will not be at the same level anymore because I, I'm not able to give it my full focus anymore it's not my top priority anymore yeah no. are you hosting anything for uh, for this summer have you got plans for um well you say you're you're doing a conference in a couple of days right in, yeah 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 where's where's that in Germany yeah it's uh, in Cologne do yeah you, is it in Speckersy Deutsch it's, it's going to be in English. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah ambition aber, uh, yeah, no, nicht but, yeah. gut. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you know, English is your second language, of course, you, you, you know, you're Dutch, but 
you know, obviously a lot of Dutch people have good German. So I was just, I thought maybe it could be. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's still an international institute as well. Obviously, there will be mostly German people, but no, English is fine. Thank God. Okay. Yeah. So, so is there... Um, Is there a hope for you with 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 your uh, with your coaching and, and and living your true stories? Do you, you, are you just taking every day as it comes? Um, both. I think we we live in in a universe of duality, don't we? So it is taking it day by day. Otherwise, I'll get I'll get overwhelmed myself. Um, but yeah, of course. Um, on my turn, I want to you know, be that one person that adds to a positive change in this world. Um, so, yeah, uh, once I said, well, if I could change even one person's life, for example, coming Saturday, if I speak there, if the room is full and there's just one person that comes up to me or not even and things like, oh, that that was, I really needed to hear that today. I already succeeded. And a while ago, I got a message on my, you know, private messages in my Instagram from a guy who, who I actually never spoke with. Like, he just follows me and he said, um, you saved my life already a few times. Thank you. But you, and I was like, oh my God. I mean, that, like, I read all my messages personally and, and try to respond to everybody, but I was like, I've already succeeded. Everything I do from now on is... All a bonus. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's about living as long as you can, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, with, 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 with the coaching then. So, you know, is there, um, you know, for any young person listening now who's, you know, suffering a bit, you know, what 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 could they do as the first step to recognising that you're not, alone firstly mm. and secondly that you you know you don't want to waste yourself by worrying about stuff that you can't control how do you how would you give them that first step to recognizing that you're going to be all right well you are going to be all right however i don't like to make fake promises it's again it's not that somebody else can heal you but you need others again the duality but you do need others to be able to heal most of the time because they're a gateway to something that you we're all lost in in and stuck in patterns and thinking a certain way about life and ourselves we are all conditioned by our surroundings by parents by culture by whatever you know uh, media um so I will not give you a fake promise that tomorrow your life is going to be better, but it is worth to keep going um, because it will get better. And um, is it depending on what you are dealing with? Is it an easy process? A lot of the time it isn't, but it is worth it. That is something that I can say. So if you're struggling right now, um, you know, do yourself a favor and do reach out to somebody and do um have that sense of self-worth even if you don't feel you have it but start giving yourself that um you know to create a better life for yourself don't be stuck in stories about yourself or about life that aren't true because we all make it up in our own minds in the end yeah it's just yeah yeah live a true story yeah yeah well i mean you know we're we're writing a we write in our story every day, you know, and it's wonderful. Shout out to mum, by the way. It's just be nice. You know, it's quite funny because we were just speaking to Darius um, 
last week as well. And he, he uh, how did he term it? You know, treat a situation with honey rather than vinegar. Yeah. But then if you don't get the right response to show your teeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there's, there's, you do have to be tough at times and be, and be, be ready for the tough times. Yeah. You know, your, your tough times. So the two years of the pandemic, it, like you said, it was a, perhaps a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, how did you, how did you take on that creatively those two years? I did a lot around speaking. I was actually involved online in uh, coaching other people uh, to become better speakers. So entrepreneurs all over the world who need to maybe prepare, you know, their TED talk or whatever. And there was a person who invited me to be a, a part of his group. So I was, I heard so many stories by amazing people and that, um, and that's basically connected to my interview work, right? I'm sincerely interested in the stories of other people. So I think that creatively um, and, you know, on top of that, being very creative about my own life as well. Um, yeah, that really helped me through, you know, a, a very deep process and uh, also personal growth in that time. Yeah. So your connections all around the world now through, through the online community yeah. was it kind of eventually turn out as a commu community uh situation for you right would you check in on this person once a week maybe two times a week on on yeah well i don't do that anymore that specific thing i just mentioned i'm not coaching people around speaking anymore but my clients are all over the world because i do my sessions via zoom yeah. which actually is amazing because there's they're way more focused than when I see them. Sometimes I do see them, you know, uh, live, but uh, if it's possible. But via Zoom, it's people are just not distracted. Oh, let me open the door. Do you want another coffee? Uh, let me go to the whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, that is another thing actually. The pandemic gave us right to connect with each other online like that. Yeah. Well, Zoom definitely made a few extra quid, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think yeah. their prices went... Oh, anyway. That's, that's, it that, was that, free, yes. That's history. <laughs> but, um, so looking back on hindsight, actually, under the last last two years, how... Do you think you were lied to? Sorry, what was the question? Do you think you were lied to the last, the oh. last oh, three, of course. three years? Yes, of course. We're, we're being lied to... <laughs> You know, for hundreds of years already. And that to me is not a surprise because I was already doing a lot of research for, for like over 20 years. I mean, governments. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. From the start, I, I had my big question marks about, you know, if they really would have um, a message of health uh, or a message, message of how can I... Uh, gain a lot of money from people that are experiencing a pandemic right now. And yeah, so of course we're being lied to. I mean, if you turn on your television, I don't care if it's about a pandemic or not, you're being lied to because, uh, you know, information is just a one-sided, you know, um, it comes from a one-sided uh, source of information most of the times. So that's exactly, well, that's what I believe. No, I believe you. I'm with you on that. But that, that's what I'm saying. So how, does, how has that affected you personally? I stopped watching the news um, because um, 
yeah, every news channel and talk show and everything was only about that one thing. And I was like, yeah, okay, I know we are, you know, not in a good place right now, maybe, but uh, my mental health definitely um, benefit, yeah, no, benefited from just not watching the news. And um, I was never really, um, some people are addicted to news, right? There are, I used to be. Yeah. I used to be. Um, I never had that. But I'm also not afraid to miss anything because, you know, in conversations like this or on the street or whatever, a friend, the most important things you do know, you know, you, you will know. It's not that you're living in a box under the ground or anything. So, yeah. So, yeah, but, it, so how, do you, but how do you deal with the herd mentality, knowing that people don't know what we know? <laughs> how have you been dealing with that side of oh, things? Oh, I, uh, I approach that. you just kind of turn that frustration off? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Because I'm not helping myself and the others. I have uh yeah, I think it's all about um what's the right word for this? Um I don't know. It it's just like yeah. Everybody is dealing with life in their own ways, right? And uh, and I think there are as many truths out there as there are human beings. We all shape our story, our truth depending on what we see and hear and what resonates within us. And I think that's one thing that I do think we are conditioned to operate from our minds and we forget to live from our intuition, which is way more important. It's way more important and it's actually stronger. However, we, we live in our minds and in my work with clients, that's yeah, people that work with me know that I'm going to help you decondition to operate from your mind because this is really not uh, where we should be operating from. Yeah, because it's fear. It's fear and, yeah, and your intuition knows the way. Yeah, I think, I think once you discover you have nothing to fear. No. When you, when you discover that, it's like a whole, it's just another layer just disappears from, of, of reality. Yeah. To understand that, listen, you know, if you're going to be an arsehole, you're going to get a comeuppance, you know what I mean? And, you know, if you're going to do something stupid, then you should be fearful of the repercussions. Yeah. But if you're trying your best, you know, for want of a better term, staying in your lane mm. and being the best that you can be, be fearless in that. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. I've, I've come to recognise, you know. If you're going to hurt people, it's only going to come back on you. Yeah. You know, probably hundredfold if you're an arsehole. Mm. You know, um, so you know that's why I've admired you from afar because you've been you've been fighting your own personal battle, and at the same time trying to raise your consciousness and winning. You know, winning, and for a young for a young woman, that's probably ten times harder than it is for a younger man. You know, you might, okay, the girls might lean into each other a little better and, you know, you know, knuffles, tears, tea, wine, and get shit out on the table. But yeah. that's not who you are. No, I don't have that's that. That's what I mean. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's what I'm saying. So, you know, like I say, I've admired you from afar from, from who you are and where you've come and what you've been through. You know, so look into the future. You know, look into the future. What, what, what do you want to see for yourself in the future? What would you like to... Uh, be heading towards. Hmm. <clears throat> well, I think you 
already pointed out a big part of how you can be uh, more sustainable because, you know, fear, it's not that I live a fearless life. I'm human, you know, um, but you can override your fear by staying and here it, here it, this is the magic word, integrity. If you live with integrity towards yourself, you know, first and foremost, stop pleasing other people. If you live in integrity towards um, with yourself and you can look in the mirror every night and go to bed like, you know, whatever the situation is, I did my best or I looked at it from different perspectives and this is all I could do to make it better. Um, and then you can go to bed with a peaceful mind because you know you... You know, yeah, I think that's the key to go to go forward in life. So for me, yeah, the future. Um, I'm a person that is unlike maybe the business coaches, and I don't want to bash anyone. I mean, there are no, you can bash the people. There are like amazing business like coaches bash, out there, like right? There are, <laughs> but um, um, I'm I'm not a person that has everything scheduled out until the end because as life has shown me. Um, Beautiful things and unexpected things happen. Also less beautiful things, but is it less beautiful? So a pandemic, wow, that was a big thing. But, you know, in the end, I made the best out of it. Um, how, we, how we started this conversation, I was asked to start doing interviews. I've been all over the world to do that. It's, I spoke with hundreds of amazing artists, um, touring as a DJ. I didn't expect myself doing that. So I'm open for whatever comes. Now I do this. I probably keep doing that. Um, but will it evolve? Of course. I don't know into what because I really want to stay open to whatever comes on my path and use my intuition instead of just my mind. What feels good to me? Is this the way that I need to be going right now? So, yeah. Wonderful. Fabulous. So, few on-the-spot questions. Yes. Um, Is there a drum roll here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will, <laughs> there will be for you in your head. Um, who's been your longest interview? Longest? Probably Boy... You mean, like, in time-wise, yeah. the interview? Probably Boy George. Yeah. Was that recorded? Did, can anybody... Oh, hit? or maybe some of for a podcast that I was doing also. But I think... For my work, when I yeah, that was probably Boy George. Was, is that recorded anywhere? Do you still have? Do you still have that in? in, in yeah, a well, there summer? are some Records tiny of episodes of it. It's years ago, yeah. so now we'd probably do it a lot different. But it was all. It, it's probably somewhere on YouTube, like long ago, like edited. Do you look the, back on stuff? No, ah, no. me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but is there, is there moments like that you you're very very proud of? And you did you peak and you thought? Yeah, I did a good job there. Oh, well, I've always thought I could do better uh, when you look back. But but that's also because I'm a perfectionist. And you know what? This is It's also good to think that because you keep improving yourself. And if we hold, hold, sorry, if we hold ourselves back until the time we are perfect and then step out in the world, then you better stop living right now because it's never going to be perfect, right? So just live and learn you know fall and get back up again well i never screwed up like that's you know because no, it, you never screwed up 
<laughs> you never did. <laughs> you never did. Well, I'm I waiting did. there. I'm waiting there. <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh, I screwed up probably, but not in my work. You know, I. But, but that's also because it be, it came so natural. Again, I'm really passionate about what I do. So, um, what was your question again? Oh, when I was really proud. Yeah. Well, obviously, I've been proud when I was 40 kilos, super burned out, and present a show in front of 30,000 people in Amsterdam. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, could I have done better? Probably, yeah. I mean, I was burned out, but I did it. And I didn't have any complaints. You know, it was uh, the year after I was still asked to do a show. So I didn't screw up big time, right? Um, it, well, some other, you know, there are so many moments I've been you know, I, I wouldn't say so much proud of, but I, I, I keep close to my heart. I was in Ibiza, I think it was 2012, doing some interviews. And I remember there was a camera guy who was like in his 20s and he, he knew all the electronic music artists, right? So, and I had, I had a... Um, an appointment with Carl Cox, who I have interviewed a few times before in my life. And I do respect him a lot, but there was Nell Rogers. And I was like, ooh. That's a once in a lifetime chance, you know? And again, I don't have anybody that works for me. I don't have an assistant. So it was, he was surrounded by a lot of people. And I was like, I have to do this now. <laughs> so I said, Niall, not knowing what kind of personality he had, right? Maybe he would be like, what the F are you? So I said, and he was really friendly. And I was like, do you maybe have, I thought like he has hundreds of interviews lined up. And I said, do you maybe have time to have a little chat on camera? Oh yeah, sure. After I finished this one. So I was like, okay. So really unprepared. I did an interview with him and I remember the camera guy was like, but we need to interview Carl Cox. I was like, yes, we'll do that later. He'll understand, you know. But yeah, stuff like that, the unexpected things that happen on the road. I mean, you can, you, moments, you probably yeah. have thousands of moments like that as well. And then meeting Georgia Maroder in the same weekend and having a nice chat with him. I mean, yeah, of course, that's those are beautiful things. Did you do Miami? Did you just do... Did you work with the Miami Music Week for a few years? Um, I did the ultra interviews for Can You Feel It, the movie that was shot in 2011. Oh, that was you behind there with... Um, Charlie. Yeah. 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 Okay. Compliments. Mad. <laughs> um, okay. It's going to be a hard one for you, this one. Oh. This is with the real drum roll. Your favorite DJ to date. Oh, that's... I was able to answer that when I was younger. Now I can't. I can't. I have respect for so many. Okay, so from 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 the nineties, who was your favorite DJ from the nineties? Before any of these Dutch superstars. Yeah, how about that? Before any before any of the. I think I don't know. I've always respected Laurent Garnier very much. Um. It's difficult to name one. Sasha, mm. definitely one of the people that I've been. Are you, yeah. would, would you give yourself more to progressive or to techno? Um, I was uh, very much in the progressive uh, corner, especially in the beginning your of the two thousands. Was that sound? Oh my, as well? no, my DJing was more uh, to techno because I liked. Uh, I'm very much influenced by Detroit and dub techno, so I, I yeah. 
Um, I did a lot of house gigs as well, but eventually, especially after my burnout, I decided I want to be more towards techno, which I think is stupid. Why would nowadays we need to have a label, you know? I mean, when Laurent Garnier started or, you know, I don't know, Derek May, they would have played disco and whatever and funk and whatever in, in, in their sets. Right. So, um, but yeah, um, yeah, difficult question. There's, yeah. there's Lauren, many. Lauren Garnier is up, up there, Sasha's up there. Definitely. Yeah, there's probably a lot that I forget to mention right now, but yeah. yeah. Favorite producer then? <laughs> Ooh, um, back in the days, definitely uh, a big influence on me, James Holden. Um, and right now, ooh, again, so many, right? Um, probably... When I drive home after this I'm interview, gonna say, I'm going to be like, oh, that one and that one. Well, that's, and that's the next question. What are you listening to in the car right now? In the car? Um, I don't actually listen to electronic music. Well, electronic music, yes, but not so much to techno or anything. I listen well, to... nobody listens to techno, do they? Nobody <laughs> listens to techno. Um, what, do I, what do I listen to? Um, a lot of dub influences. Uh, do you play reggae music? Yeah, sometimes. Not. Because not you put a set together. A set. Serious question. Mm, I, I I have been asked, but I did some some dub mixes, more dub techno mixes, um, and one is on my SoundCloud with all the uh, the classics in it. And then uh, Eric uh, Clochet, who lives in Berlin, he's from Detroit, said, "Oh, I'm this dub. You know, so we should we should combine and make a mix together, like a two hour." And and it's been, you know. We've planned that already for two years now. <laughs> we didn't start yet, but um, yeah. So I, um, I don't want to promise anything, but it's a good idea. <laughs> no, well, you know, I've, I've been speaking with some old people, and we're, we're sort of maybe going to go back to the foundation and try and get a reggae, uh, reggae festival going. Oh, that's amazing! Create our own sound system, and you know, yeah, invite the people that can put a different twist to dub reggae. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely so, amazing. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's like like my big inspiration is like Mauricio Basic Channel, and it's really the old like dubby techno stuff, and Detroit as well. Yeah, it's uh yeah. Yeah, where's your favorite place to visit? Probably the place that I haven't been yet. Well, it can't be your favorite place to visit, then, can it? <laughs> because I don't know. There's so much. Still to discover for me, um, Aruba mean. definitely. You mean like a place in the world? Where or? you've been? Well, Aruba you'd has. You'd like to go back as you know. It's, it's your favorite place. You hmm. only had a short time there, maybe, perhaps. But you, 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 if you had a chance, boom! I'm going there for three weeks, three months. Mm. Well, right now it would be Aruba because I have a lot of uh, friends that live there, and it's just away from everything. It's a small island. I know it very well. It's sunny. Um, and it's quiet. I like quietness uh, mm. as well these days. So, yeah. Um, but again, you know, there are probably many places that I haven't visited. Well, yet. next question: Where's where's the where's the top three places that you would want to? Uh, Ooh, didn't really think of that. Probably somewhere South America or Central America. Like um, during the pandemic, I've worked with some 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 guys in Guatemala uh, around mental health and um, obviously it would be nice to visit them as well and see the country. I think, you know, it's it's such a beautiful place. Um, 
Believe it or not, never been to Asia really. So that could be an option as well. Africa. I don't know. I'm going all over the world well, literally yeah. here, why but yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any invites? Give us a shout. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what's your job description? If I could ask. Mm, I, I think it's really hard again to put a label like with the DJs, you know, it's like, Oh, you're, you're what a techno or house DJ. Why can't they play both? Um, but, um, I would say coach and consultant. Yeah. Yeah. Because, but I, I, every client that I work with, um, I approach in a very unique way because everybody is unique. So every trajectory is very specific. Um, I'm, yeah, I just see what's needed basically. And, uh, but I would definitely say that, you know, if somebody is struggling with a real addiction, for example, I'm not giving medical advice. That's something I can help you. You know, I have a very holistic way on, on, uh, you know, on, on health and on approaching, uh, yeah, a, a process as well. But, um, it's because I have healed myself from a lot of things, uh, like physically, uh, physical illnesses because I, you know, doctors couldn't help me anymore. And I was searching for five years and in the end it was a childhood trauma that my body just, you know, was, was holding. So, uh, definitely, um, you know, would say something like this to my clients as well. Like, you know, it's, it's, oftentimes what we're dealing with and what we're trying to get rid of are the symptoms you know you want to get rid of the addiction you want to get rid of the pain but what is underneath you know that's but i would you know uh, i do work with clients that are um you know seeing either a psychotherapist or uh, they are at the aa end come to me as well so yeah i would never fully focus on on the addiction for example there are specialists for that yeah yeah well before we go then can you give me three tips to help with a daily mantra a daily mantra a nice a nice three tips to create a mantra within those tips so just give me the three tips rather than the mantra or maybe we can make a mantra up well, after this. <laughs> I, I have one basically it's i i believe that we all have a certain baseline and a baseline in music is it's like the bones are to our body it brings structure upon which everything you know rides upon the melody and the chords and and the harmony so um your baseline of yourself exists of four you know, notes that are really important. It starts with being authentic. And then look at your purpose. Why are you doing the things that you do? Build up resiliency and also have a support system around you, the right people. If you look at those four notes, and I can speak for an hour about just this, so maybe we'll do that another time. Um, so you need to fine-tune these notes, you know. Am I living in authenticity and integrity with myself? 
um, do I know why I do the thing? Why, you know, I, I wouldn't say, why are you alive? You know, some people die without not knowing, but why are you doing the things that you do? I know why I do the work that I do. And that keeps me going in hard times. It makes you more resilient already. So the resiliency is like, maybe, you know, you need your touring artist. And instead of, you know, drinking too much booze and wake up at 12 a.m. just before in time to go to the airport, why not, I don't know, start doing sports or and skip the booze. Skip the booze, yeah. Easier said than done for, for, for many, obviously. And I'm not saying, oh, you're a bad boy or a bad girl if you do that. No, it's just like... No, the world you, needs bad boys and bad girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can still be that exactly. if you're sober, you know. Um, but yeah, and a support system. So, But in the end, every baseline, well, most has a root note. And I think, look at the amount of self-worth that you have. This influences literally everything in your life. If you, if you don't start taking care of yourself, um, you will attract the wrong people. You will work too hard. You will not set your boundaries. You will, you know, make promises that you can't keep. You will just to be, you know, a, a people pleasing person. It starts with you. So really uh, be a little bit more nicer to yourself. That's my message. Wonderful. DJ Siren. Thank you very much indeed, my sister. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Um, don't forget, we have the, the code for Mad for the Family. Go and check it out. We'll get you a 15% discount. Uh, please check all our other podcasts. Listen, like, and share. And what's your what's your at on Instagram? People it's can find still you. Siren Music. Siren Music. Yes. Okay, there you have it. Listen, like, and share. Thank you very much. Cheers, darling. Thank you.